Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human centered design. For more information, see thisishcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. Hello and welcome to Bringing Design Closer. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a service design practitioner and trainer based in Dublin City, Ireland. Today in the show we've got Melanie Raymond who's a social designer and strategist, originally hailing from Sydney, Australia and now living in London. She is currently the head of service design at Barnardo's UK, one of the UK's largest and oldest children's charities which employs 8,000 staff, 22,000 volunteers and provides over 1,000 social care services to our most vulnerable children. With a mission to redesign and deliver the next generation of children's social care, Melanie and her team are doing incredible work. The service design team at Barnardo's are working on some incredible projects at the moment. And whether that be trialling messenger services to provide additional support to young people or redesigning service agreements and explaining consent through animations and child-centred approaches or even redesigning risk assessment tools for sexual assault, bringing child voice front and centre and redesigning residential care placement, the service design team at Barnardo's are really busy busy making a difference internally and externally for the people who use their services. Now in this conversation we chat a lot about the interesting aspects about how they're using service design and Barnardo's to get these outcomes. Working inwards and outwards, it's a fantastic conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Melanie Raymond, a very warm welcome to Bring Design Closer. Thank you, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, I'm good and how are you? I am very good, I'm sat in Bath University right now. You could be in Worth Places. Bath is beautiful. I've been there before and I, and I loved it. It was a stunning place to visit. But Melanie, you know, we've been trying to connect for quite a while. We were like ships in the night in Sydney and we worked with lots of people that we know. And I'm honestly delighted to have you on the show. I've been a long time admirer of your work, especially in the last couple of years where we connected over the, the work that you're doing at Barnardo's. So let's start off. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How would you describe what you do to your mother? Oh, good question. I use the way designers think and the process that we employ to to help other people unlock the knowledge that they have and find new approaches that can create better services, better outcomes for people, better ways of doing things. So you're currently the head of service design at, at Bernardo's. So for people who aren't from the UK, mm-hmm. maybe tell uh, us what Bernardo's do. Yeah, so um, Bernardo's is a charity, one of the largest children's charities across the UK, and we provide children's social care services, which is approximately about a 1,000 at the moment to vulnerable children. And it's a large heritage organisation that's been around for about 150 years. Um, Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to us, you know, it's been around for 150 years. How have they used design in the past and how are they using it now? I think design is slowly taking a hold within Bernardo's in regards to how we imagine the way we deliver services to children in the UK. Hmm. And so I think a lot of the services that exist at the moment, we're trying to bring that sort of consciousness to the way that services are designed. And the team has been around, um, I think, probably now about three or so years. 
And it, it's been on a journey itself in regards to, you know, where do we find the right sort of intervention points to enhance the way that the organisation is responding to those social needs and prove that within the organisation. And, of course, you know, allow ourselves to understand the people that we're working with. You know, we've got such a wealth of knowledge within Bernardo's and the people that are on the front line who have been dedicated their lives to these issues. And so how can we we use design in a way that is respectful to that and bring different pieces of knowledge and evidence together and find a new way forward? Because we are faced with constantly diminishing budgets around social care. Uh, and so we have to find new ways to deliver those outcomes for children. And I think design has that role to play within the organisation. Yeah. So it's producing more with less effectively is what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that brings its own um, you know, type of problems and unique set of problems as well when you have those kind of restrictions placed on you. So how do you work around an organisation that's as old as Bernardo's to ensure that what gets delivered is the right thing? Yeah, I think it's at that sort of go slow to go fast. Um, there are different sort of approaches that we're taking, but I think it is always about starting with the children and their children's needs and... Mm-hmm sitting with them and understanding their lives and certainly the families and carers and and community around them and and working from that. And I think that's something that ultimately we hold up as paramount within the organisation and bring those people within to our organisation so that they can affect the decisions made within the organisation. Yeah. I mean, I met some of your team because you are head of service design at Bernardo's whilst at service design days in Barcelona. I had some fantastic conversations with again, Tom Norman. Yeah, Tom is uh, awesome. Yeah, and a great guy. And we were chatting around, you know, the complexities of, of working within an organisation that is ultimately, you know, their intent is to do good. Do you work with other NGOs or is it just, you know, directly with children? Yeah, I think we do. and But it's it's about also working in the open and being sort of relentlessly collaborating with other people. Um, you know, I'm really conscious that public funds go into a lot of what we do um, and the money that's spent into developing products and services and research is, is really valuable. And so we have to be able to not only share the knowledge that we are collecting through research, but also share our journey and our processes and and completely be working in the open so that we can not just progress ourselves uh, Mm. as an organisation and what our service proposition is and our position within the social care sector, but actually push the social care sector forward. And, And fundamentally that is our mission within the digital transformation team is to really shape the children's social care sector around children's needs. And and so that means that we have to be working really humbly and really openly and work across the NGOs and with government and with the private sector as well. Yeah. So I I know we mentioned before we were recording that, um, you know, there was a service design or a head of service design before you joined Bernardo's Audrey Fletcher. And, um, what have you done since that period? Like, what are the bits that have, have worked well in the last two years? 
Yeah, well, um, Audrey is an amazing designer and she'd set up a, a, a wonderful sort of foundation and tried to f- assist the service design team find its feet within the organisation. So it's really building upon the knowledge and the learning that her and the team had undertaken. Mm. I was thinking about this the other day is, is my hypothesis for where the intervention points are within the organisation has shifted multiple times. Mm. And so we've had to be really quite agile and adaptive to how we do that and where we might put our focus because, of course, funding is limited, you know, even to our own team. Mm. So it's since then I think we've changed in regards to looking at a much more longer-term view of where design can play and so working with long-term partnerships. So we have a number of partnerships across the UK that are up to 10 years long in regards to children in leaving and leaving care, mental health and wellbeing, children's sexual assault and working with Leicester County Council. And so that really progresses our viewpoint in taking a, a portfolio approach to how we're going to create social change. And so that means using design at different levels. Yeah. So rather than coming in and creating a, a single service to fill a, an unmet need, it's about having a really holistic view of the social care system or the local system that is at play, the context, the structures of, in terms of the organisational structures of how we're responding to that. Um, so it's really that sort of policy to touch point view of where design can have a role. And, and shaping the, the the view of service design as sort of design as change making mm-hmm. rather than just being about particular services or, or products, which, you know, is, is fundamentally important, but it's about having multiple ways to create that change. Yeah. So in my experience of, of working w- within the child sexual abuse space within Australia, one of the big problems that I faced when I was designing in that space was the lack of access to to change the policy and to help move the the system forward because they didn't have access to it. So what kind of access has Bernardo's got in your own experience on being able to shape policy to improve better outcomes? I think we actually have a, a really good position to do that. And we, we do have a dedicated policy team. Um, but of course, the, the different sort of specialisms around the organisation, mm-hmm. these people are experts in that. And so it's about bringing all of that knowledge together. And I think much of it is around the organisational response to that and joining that up. Um, we're a really big yeah. um, decentralised organization for those that don't know we we have about 8000 staff and we have about 22000 volunteers and we have retail shops all across the country yeah and so it's as an organization i think one of the challenges is to bring all of those sort of narratives together and the learning together across the organization so that we can bring that all together and position ourselves in terms of what policy changes we want to see mm. And so, you know, filter that information up from the feedback and the learning that we're hearing from children and their families and carers right up into the policy positions that we have and and having that golden thread between that and being able to bring that learning all together. Yeah. 
So could you give us an example of what a typical project, and I hate asking that question because there's no such thing as a typical <laughs> project, but you know, for people listening out there at the moment and they're like, okay, that would be really cool. Maybe, maybe I'd like to work in this space. And I totally, you know, I encourage people to start um, looking at social design as a real potential area and um, to get so much great experience. But what does it look like for say a service designer entering into this space? I don't know if I have a, an example of a typical project. Um, so it is very much centred between sort of two poles, like I was saying before, is that really big sort of sense-making of, of what's going on in terms of a, a mm. system. So we have we have a designer, Amy Ricketts, working um, in Plymouth with a number of our other team members across Bernardo's in regards to children leaving care. And so we have this unique opportunity there to, across sort of seven to 10 years, to really get down and understand what's going on, right from a policy level, right down to an individual sort of touch point level Mm. around, you know, how do we enhance lives of of children leaving care and, and into sort of employment and positive destinations for their life. So that project itself has been multifaceted so it's about that sort of big holistic understanding of all of the puzzle pieces at play and how do they interact in terms of policies and organizations working there you know what are the interchanges of value and relationships and funding structures and all those things that all sort of messily combine to create a particular context and then it's also about really honing in in regards to particular problems And so looking at some of the gaps that are there in regards to, we know, so for example, children leaving care, once they're into their own independent residence, um, they often get to a place where they're on their own in that apartment or that house Hmm. and they sit down for the first time and it's deadly quiet and it's lonely. And so the structures and the services and the programs that aim to get these young people into that independent living then have that that gap in that need and so it's it's really zoning in on that and thinking about how do we respond to the loneliness Mm. in that space and work with children and young people so then creating particular projects around what could we do around a, a particular intervention that would assist in that and so I think we're a bit agnostic around what is the um, best approach there? It's not about necessarily creating a new service to fit a gap. It's about having a number of different ways to approach that particular issue Mm. right at the top level, right down to really small little things that are seemingly small but can actually have a really big impact over time, whether it's about, you know, when, when you leave care, you might not have the relationship networks that you might have had in another situation in life. And so how do you how do you enhance that at a service level, mm. uh, but how do you enhance that at a community level and a policy level as well? Yeah, and absolutely. And the interconnectedness of all these problems was one of the big things that I know when there was a group of us working on a big project in, in Sydney and we, we could see that they were all interrelated and there was a lots of problems. So um, how do you work at that level, you know, where there's there's so many social problems that are interconnected? How do you define what's the project you do next? <laughs> well, I know that that is a that is a crazy question to answer, but <laughs> but it's one that I was asked quite a lot, and it's one that um, I myself struggled with coming up with an answer for. 
I guess it's like any design though, right? You know, you have to look at what is the problem presented to you or the opportunity presented to you from which organization is it being presented? Mm. Um, How do they currently frame that? And what's the scope? And then assessing, you sort of constantly having to sort of zoom in and out from macro to micro to sort of determine where is that scope of influence that I can have. And sometimes it's less than where our resources or is in our gift to, to do that. So, yeah, you know, I think, you know, you could take a very purist view of that and say, well, we're only ever going to take a really systemic, holistic view of everything. But we know that in design that that's not the case. And so it's about finding that, you know, drawing that circle around that complex problem and defining where is this scope that I, I feel like we can have a, enough of an impact in some way. And I, I guess some of those things, though, is like I was saying before, is some things can be re- seemingly really small but mm. can have a big impact. I know yeah. when we um when I was working for Designing Out Crime at the University of Technology in Sydney and we were sort of taking that design approach to complex problems, some of the things that I thought were really interesting was about different agencies, different government agencies coming together and different NGOs mm. and practitioners all being in a room and they're all sort of discussing what is required around that. And, you know, these guys have 40 years experience in yeah. you know, various social issues. You know, who am I to, <laughs> who am I as this designer to sort of tell them <laughs> anything really? And I think it, it was so interesting to see that the power of reframing a particular problem yeah. and what that meant. And so if there, if all those different organisations come into that room with a particular view of what the problem is and they leave with a collective view that is co-created in that room that allows for new opportunities to unfold, not only do you have that in terms of your design approach forward, but you actually have this huge ripple effect that you've created in regards to every one of those people leave that room now with a a potential to make decisions differently Mm. about that to use language that might shift and create changes about how other people see that particular issue. So I think that, you know, defining where you can have impact is a difficult one, but it's sort of always about considering and where that might be in the system and and zooming in and out constantly to to find that sweet spot. Yeah. So, Melly, you actually mentioned this morning like a bombshell went off uh, in in my world (laughs) But you're returning to Sydney and um, I guess with something like that, and I've gone through that recently as well, moving from Sydney back over to this side of the world, it usually creates time for reflection and a reflection on, you know, what you've achieved and, and so forth. How would you define what you've achieved at Bernardo's and what's the big learning? Oh my gosh, I've learned so much at Bernardo's. I, I am truly thankful for the opportunity that I've had there and the ambition that we as a team, as a wider team and certainly as the organisation has to create that change. I think um, what's worked is um, at a team level working in a much more teamed perspective and a teamed approach. Um, 
we were very lucky to have a, a number of very senior service designers and social designers working on large projects, but that's quite lonely. So working in a teams approach has been really useful. And just thinking about all of those sort of rhythms and rituals where you create space in the team for ref, sort of reflective practice and learning has been really nice. Um, you know, every one of the, the team within Bernardo's service design team has a really unique background and experience. And so it's it's about how do we draw on each other's learning and knowledge because it's really tough to do what we do in this space. Yeah. And so you have to really create a resilient team culture and supportive culture and and create that space for all of us to learn together. What have I learned in regards to sort of at a more broader level, um, at an organizational level, I think there is a continued opportunity for us to use the digital cultural aspects and design to shape the way that the organization responds to these issues. Mm-hmm. And that can sound like at a really big sort of strategic level, you know, let's use systems thinking to do X. But at a really fundamental level, it can be just the way that people collaborate and the way people interact and certainly even the way people consider problems and bring knowledge together. So, you know, rather than having particular sort of very tick box meetings Mm. and task finish groups, actually how do you create a space to have really open and safe generative conversations about these things and bring all of that knowledge together? And then when you leave the room, have something that's tangible to act upon as well. So I think that continues to be a space where I think we have an opportunity to influence within an organisation and and challenge some of the processes and procedures and sort of behaviours yeah. to affect change. Um, and at a more broader systems level, I think it takes a huge amount of emotional effort and passion to to challenge the current status quo in regards to how we we do things and that requires a lot of different people and you know we alone can't do it fundamentally we, we alone can't do it and so it's a I think we have to be finding ways to collaborate with people finding ways to create a shared knowledge and uh shared skills and practices that are sort of externalized so that we can address those things and you know, call out some of the processes and structures and behaviours that aren't creating the results and the sort of thing we need for children in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Just going back to the the rituals that you mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, yeah. working in this space, you know, we, you could be researching, you know, as you said, like child sexual abuse or, you know, neglect or, or anything to do with, with, with the children. How do you ensure the the mental health issues for the researchers within the team? What kind of rituals do you do to ensure that they're they're being kept okay and safe? Yeah, I look, you know, this is something that you and I have had other offline conversations about. I think it's something that's really front of mind and something that we fully haven't cracked it as yet, to be honest. But I think it's firstly about how you create a team culture where it's okay to talk about how you're feeling. Yeah. And I, I think I've been in different organisations that that's fundamentally not the case. And so it's a unique, and at the broader digital team, it's a really unique culture and one that I've not seen before in regards to 
how supportive and open and inclusive as a wider team we are. So there is that and that that comes ultimately from leadership across many different levels of the team, but also about having some of those clear practices about, you know, before you go out and undertake that particular interview to check in with that person and just be human and just have that conversation that it's okay to say, you know what, I'm not okay to have this particular interview and, and have have an opportunity to veto that particular piece of work or that component of the work without any repercussions. Yeah. And equally also in that moment, consider are we the right people to be doing that for the child as well? Yeah. Sometimes as designers, we're not the best person to be sitting with those children to have that interview. And um and I think that's something that, you know, service designers not in that space would struggle to understand, you know, they're sort of like, I want to go out and speak to all these children. Um, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes that's not our place, right? And we have to be cognizant of that um, yeah. in regards to trauma as well. And having some clear procedures around rehearsing particular situations. So we've had some of the team go out and interview in regards to residential care and we have a, a teaming approach to rehearsing some of those interview questions. How would you respond to those things um, and feeling comfortable and then talking about different scenarios that might come up. Of course, being very clear around our safeguarding issues um, for the children, but also being really clear around our own our own mental health and being clear about what happens if any of those conversations trigger something for yourself, that you have a, a number of different pathways yeah. to go and speak about that. But again, back to the human thing is, you know, just debriefing about it and having the opportunity to go, you know, wow, that was that was intense and I, I didn't see that coming um, and what might we do with that and, and how do we feel about, you know, what we've learned today. So before we were speaking, Mel, we were mentioning around, um, you know, obviously the organization is so old and you're working within one ecosystem that's probably within part of another larger ecosystem that's probably you know older than, than that itself. And sometimes it can become quite complex when you have to work with people who are a bit more resistant to becoming design led. And I'm interested to see your perspective on on measuring the impact of design to, to provide that reassurance that there is value in this way of working to help build trust, I guess. Yeah, I think it, it requires a variety of different approaches. And again, it comes back to those sort of portfolio of, of how you're going to measure impact at a design level and sort of proving the value of design. I don't have a magic wand or, you know, I don't think we you have don't. a magic wand. I, th- I thought there was a magic yeah. wand here. <laughs> I wish there was. I think it's something that, you know, the sector really talks about. Yeah. Um, but I think there is a, a number of ways that you can do that. And and certainly within our space, because we act as um, a lighthouse really for sort of consciously designed and evidence-informed services rather than redesigning our 1,000 existing services, we have the opportunity to sort of hold those particular services up and capture, you know, typical service metrics yeah. um, that that might demonstrate the value that that particular process has yielded and, of course, the outcomes that that might create for children, which is fundamentally why we all get up in the morning. But at a more broader level, what we're trying to do is to capture stories across different projects in a way that legitimizes some of those reflections and those observations that we're having. So Mm. I'll give you an example. 
Within our projects, we have obviously a number of key stakeholders, some that are within Bernardo's as sponsors and some within local authorities. And then we have our designers and our researchers. So capturing their observations on a sort of fortnightly or monthly basis across a spectrum of indicators. So, you know, are you seeing a shift in the relationships that you have with a local authority? Why is that happening? Or, you know, someone from the local authority stood up and explained service design really well (laughs) at a recent event. You know, that feels like a win to us. But on its own, it seems quite small and insignificant. But if you can have that sort of structured approach to how you collect observations and embed it into your project's processes, what we can find is that you can sort of string a lot of those things together um, to find some clear shifts in behaviours and languages and actions that are creating an impact. And some of those are around the design process itself and the shared skills. And some of that is around how that is then creating particular changes for the problem that you're addressing as well. Yeah. Melanie, it was absolutely fantastic to finally get you on the show. It has been a couple (laughs) of months of of trying to pin down the time. You know, you're, you're very busy, but I'm delighted to finally have, have had you on the show. And um, if people want to reach out to you and get in touch with you, um, you're going to be very busy having gin and tonics and coffees with people for the next couple of months leaving London. But I know you're, you're a big Twitterer. What's your handle and how can people get in touch with you uh, in other ways? Yes, I'm always up for nerdy conversations. Um, so <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Mel Raymond or find me on LinkedIn and certainly always up for chatting and sharing uh, stories and learning. Yeah, I'll throw a link to both of those into the show notes. Melanie, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Jerry. It's been wonderful to catch up. So there you have it. Thanks for listening to Bringing Design Closer. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the This Is HCD network, feel free to visit thisishcd.com where you can also sign up to our newsletter or join our Slack channel where you can connect with other human-centered design practitioners around the world. Thanks for listening and see you next time.